think that I looked it up the other day. Like, so this far, at this point this year, I've ran over 2,000 miles. And I think I've went up and down Everest, you know, a few times. Uh, you know, but all of that is, it's worth it to see people know a greater treasure than finishing a race. Well, hey there, and welcome back to Better Stories, Season 2, Episode 2. Believe it or not, we are rolling again just a week after our first episode of Season 1. Um, it's been so fun, even in the middle of this pandemic, to just have some space and some time to create and uh, produce some things, some some projects, some things we've been having fun with that haven't had a chance to for a while. So, uh, so excited to be sharing with you another Better Stories podcast. Um, this is actually an interview that I did today. This is actually an interview that I dug up uh, and had never released from clear back in season one. Um, I interviewed a good friend of mine and uh, just never got around to releasing it. And so I was kind of looking back through things and found this and decided I would share it with you uh, today. So I hope you enjoy. This is an interview with my friend, uh, Brad Wingler, who is many things. Brad is actually, um, uh, first of all, he's a husband, he's a dad. Uh, he is a pastor of a relatively new church plant up in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and he is also an ultra runner to the extreme. That's, that's one of the things that he and I share in common, although he is far superior to where I am as a runner. Brad has run, as you'll hear, several hundred mile races, um, kind of all over the place, uh, just doing incredible elevation climbs, um, uh, treacherous terrains. He's got some fun stories that he shares with us today. And uh, I, I just loved talking with Brad and hearing a little bit about why he chooses to run those races, how he integrates that with his family, and um, how that helps shape and form uh, his life and, and just the intentionality behind that. So. I hope you enjoy it. It's Better Stories, uh, Season 2, Episode 2, with Brad Wingler. Enjoy. So start, Brad, maybe just introducing yourself a little bit of, um, you know, kind of how we know each other, your role right now vocationally, your family, just whatever you want to share about. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think when, I, I think the first time I met you was when I was in high school. Because this is all about me, I really want you to just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, well, I'm understanding this. Uh, no, uh, we were in youth group and and Scott had us, you know, in our... I got involved in the youth group because of running, because I was friends with Adam Burnside, who uh, who was a runner with me, and so... And so we went to the youth group, and I think we came up to Geneva to do like some kind of college preview, which really all I think we did was go on the high ropes course and play video games. <laughs> so it was a good preview of college. Um, and, and then from that, I, I was in and around the church, but I really wasn't. I had no heart for Christ at all. I mean, I just was in and around it. I, and then going into my freshman year of college, uh, really started to follow Christ. 
um, but uh, had and then lost a whole set of friends, gained new new community, new circles, uh, because I just wasn't I wasn't strong enough to be around. Uh, I knew that I would give back into the ways of the world, the ways that I lived before, the ways that would have hurt me and hurt others. <laughs> and so uh, getting involved with um, those friends was kind of the, the beginning of being feeling like led into ministry and whatnot. Through that, I got involved with Campus Crusade, did some young life. I ended up meeting my wife, Jill, in college, and we... Um, we dated for like a year and a half, got engaged, and um, I have a degree in elementary education um, because I wanted to get out of college, uh, <laughs> and um, so I did that, And uh, but all the while I was applying for churches all over the place. I think we've sent out resumes from Maine to Florida to Texas to Chicago like area and interviewed at four or five places and um, ended up interviewing it, or actually I, I got a response back from, the, from Mill Creek where I was at for the last 12 years and, and uh, they wanted me to fill out some paperwork, you know, to go to the next step and I, I was like, I'm not filling that out. <laughs> All these other, they're, they're doing like, face, they're doing, you know, Skype or kind of face-to-face interviews. I'm not filling these paper, this paperwork out because I was student teaching, I was working at uh, two other jobs uh, so I just, and I was trying to get Jill to marry me, and so, <laughs> a lot of work. A lot and, of applications uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so finally, they all these other churches that just didn't, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been a good fit, and uh, the ch- the church at Mill Creek said, "Hey, um, uh, we just want to make sure you got this," and so I was like, "All right." So I filled it out again. I filled it out for the first time, and uh, and then they narrowed it down. And we went through back and forth for about a month or two, and then they finally hired me about 12 and a half years ago. So we moved up here, and which is near where Jill's from. Um, and then, so we've been married 12 years. We have a 8-year-old JP, a 5-year-old Haddon, and then a 6-month-old uh, Cindy, so our first daughter, so. So you have two boys and a daughter. Mill, Mill Creek is located in the tundra of Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie, Pennsylvania. God had to have called you there because yeah, no one goes there. No one goes there for for any particular reason. Um, and and Brad and I shared a first experience together in our first uh, full marathon as well. <laughs> So you, don't need to talk about that. you you didn't even touch that, but you have far surpassed me. But I do want to hold this over your head a little bit. We, you were doing an internship with our church, and uh, I don't remember who had the idea, but we you just, did. we. <laughs> I, I you said hey let's do this run, and I said sure, and I figured five k ten k, and then you said marathon. And and we yeah I did <laughs> and we both survived and um, I have done a few more marathons and you have moved on to different distances so talk talk about that and kind of just share every with everybody what what running looks like for you now. Well, you know, I was probably in the best shape of my life when I trained for that marathon with you. Um, I was. I was faster than I'd ever been, and I would, 
I would toy around with six-minute mile pace on training runs. I wish Strava was out then because I would look very impressive. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> but going into that, uh, I ended up having issues with my hamstring. And I remember that race because the first, like, 14 or 15 miles, I was goofing off. I was high-fiving people. I took my shirt off at one point and threw it to Adam because I had an extra layer on. Um, (laughs) And uh, I remember, and then at, like, mile 15 and one step, my left leg just quit. And I drugged my left leg 11 miles. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I knew all of that. Um, But Jill... Uh, Jill heard me coming before she saw me because she could hear my foot dragging. <laughs> um, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, but after that race, I didn't run for like five years. Wow. That was the last time I ran for five years. And then I moved up to Erie and uh, got married and gained 40 pounds. Hmm. And uh, and so then I was like, I guess I'll probably start running again because I just enjoyed it. Um, and... I did a couple like little races and a couple half marathons and then I had another bad day at a half marathon and um, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. And then my, I had a friend who encouraged me. He's like, hey, let's do this thing. It's called a Ragnar. You camp and then you run these races and then you run these trails and you do, you know, you gotta, I was like, all right, maybe I'll do that. So that, oh, you still there? Mm-hmm. It's just poor connection, but we'll see. Um, so he said, um, let's do that. And then I started running on the trails, and I just found that I really enjoyed it. Hmm. And so I was like, well, there's a there's a marathon in North Carolina, and I had to go down there for school. And so I said, well, maybe I'll do this trail marathon. And so I signed up for it, and I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. Uh-huh. It was about a 25-mile race with like 6,000 feet of climbing. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I didn't realize what I – and so I'm running the race and, you know, talking with some guys. And I was I was so underprepared. Like I put water in the back of my pack. I had these water bottles. I had all this. I didn't understand the concept of aid stations. Yeah. I ended up carrying like 10 pounds too much and – I, I bonked hard at like mile 18 and had like 4,000 or 2,000 feet of climbing left, I think. And But then I, I, I just found like, man, I, I really like that. Uh, I like the environment. It's so much different than running on the roads. And, um, and uh, so I started doing that. And I started to make some friendships along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very small niche group who do this. And... Uh, at the same time, I found that uh, I was so involved with the church and had no outside life. Hmm. Uh, and so it, it presented a real good opportunity for me to be in the community and to build relationships. And so from that, the Reader's Digest is that, you know, I did a couple 50Ks and then I had planned to do a 100K and uh, just said, well, the training's pretty much the same as a 100-miler. <laughs> so, so why not do that? And so so I did the 100-miler three three years ago. And, yeah, since then, I, I think I listed them out the other day. I think I've done, I don't know, seven or eight ultra marathons and anywhere from 50K to 100 miles. And 
it's a, a you know, I, I generally will do 20 to 30 miles every Saturday now. Um, so yeah. that's kind of, let me go more in depth with that. No, of, that's great. So I, I'm with you up to the 50 K point. That's, that's where my career ended. <laughs> I still I still run, but I haven't recovered. I don't think from the the fifty k yet. That when you say a fifty k to a hundred k, and you go, well, training's the same. You're talking a sixty mile race to a hundred mile race, and in your mind, you're saying, eh, it's basically the same. What was the what was the driving force that said, I'm going to go for a hundred miles in one shot? Um. Well, who wants to say they ran 62 miles? <laughs> I don't. You know? I don't. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, big deal. Uh, but 100 miles, huh? that's something to talk about. Uh, but now, it, it is funny, though, how, like, your body just adjusts and learns. Like, I was so wrecked from my, from some of those first races. Um, and now, like, I had 100K in July this year, or June, June or July, I can't remember, June, I think. And I had a good day. I did well, and but I can remember going into it. I was like, "Well, it's only a hundred k. Like, it's not like yeah. like I need I need to have my basic stuff with me, but it's it's only sixty two miles. It's not a hundred miler. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's this weird shift in your head. There's right. not there's something wrong with us. Um, but you you know you just your body gets used to it. I think it's pretty amazing. Like I can remember in that race being like, "Wow, I'm at fifty miles." How awesome is it that that our bodies are designed for that this. if you you know you train them whatever they can yeah. do that. Yeah. So here here's the really serious question. When you told Jill, "Hey, I think I'm going to train for a hundred mile race," what what was her response? Uh, <laughs> she, well, so Jill Jill was a collegiate runner. Okay. So that's a great um, that's a great uh, resource <laughs> and tool. <laughs> Uh, because I can bounce ideas off her because there's so much. When I said there's not much difference in 100K and 100 mile, there really isn't except for the planning. Mm-hmm. Your body, at certain points, your body just, it is what it is, and you just persist on. And so it's really good to have her as a resource, but she gets it. That's the other thing is um, she understands the enjoyment of it. She understands the the passion, the, the excitement. Um the, the friendships, and so she's a she's a very uh, a, a big confidant in the midst of it. Sure. And she, I mean, a lot of my races, she's my main uh, crew person. Yeah. Yeah. So the last race you did, talk about that a little bit. It was just uh, like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So I did a hundred miler a couple weeks ago. Um, so, so my plan for this year in, in Pennsylvania, there's this thing called the Pennsylvania Triple Crown, and you do uh, three races. You do a 50K called the Heiner 50K in April, and it's about 30, 31 miles-ish, and it's about 7,000 feet of climbing, but it's on five hills. So it's just straight up, straight down, straight up, over and over. So you did that, and um, uh, I had a goal, my goal times, and I, I, I succeeded – and, and achieving those goals and and then the next one is the world's end 100k so that was and so that's in uh, June and so uh, I did I did really well there I ran with some guys that usually I'm, I'm not with and just had a really good day um, 
And then the third part of that is Eastern States 100. Uh, Eastern States 100 is one of the most difficult 100 milers on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 100 miles and it's 20 some thousand feet of climbing, but it's in August. Right. And so uh, I was training for that and I would go out and run in like 90 degree weather with like three layers on uh, and go route like and run 12 miles. Um, you know, people are driving by on the side of the road, and they look at you like any an idiot. Um, I always run by this one house where the guy in this area uh, runs like a snow cone truck. Uh-huh. I always would pray that he would like <laughs> be open when I would run by and he would have his heart, but it never happened. Uh, so that race got canceled, and when that happened, you know, <laughs> I went and had a pity party, and... Um, kind of regroup because my plan was to do the 100k at oil creek which i've done the 100 mile there the last two years and i wanted to do the 100k because i thought i could compete for at least the top three spot um it, it and so so i was signed up for the 100k well they canceled it and i jumped up to the 100 miler um i've been i've been working with a coach i went to college with a guy who is He's literally one of the best ultra runners in the world. He ran a 13-hour, 100-mile race last year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 13 hours. And um, he, he got third in the world 100K road championships like a year ago. He, he's just a beast. So I've been working with him, and which has been – it's been awesome to reconnect with him on a, you know, a friend level. But also, uh, you know, I was just – before we talked, we were uh, texting back and forth about some things. And – um, so it's just good to have him as a, as a resource and, and just build that friendship again. But then, so we jumped into the hundred miles. So you want me to go through the, the race? I mean, as, as much as you want. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so we did a hundred mile, uh, it was my third year. And so at this race, if you do the hundred mile, you get a, a buckle, which is, which is kind of, it goes with the ultra marathons. Like that's a thing that you get a buckle because, the first, the ultra marathons in America, how it started was at Western States. What used to be a uh, hundred mile or used to be a horse race. I think it still is a horse race. And so the awards for that were a bell buckle because it's a horse race. Sure. Well, uh, a one year, a guy's horse didn't make it or, or, or passed out from the heat or something. And that's a race that goes from um, Squaw Valley up in uh, Lake, uh, Lake Tahoe down to Auburn, California. And so he said, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to run it or I'm going to walk it. So the guy did, and thus this race was born and the, the idea of having belt buckles for these races. Mm-hmm. And so for the hundred miler at Oil Creek, uh, you get a, it's like a gold and silver buckle. And, and so I have two of those already. And I was like, I don't, I really don't want another one. Like it's, <laughs> I, I don't really care for it. I love um, the inner dialogue over a belt buckle. What's <laughs> I love the inner dialogue over a belt buckle. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's well, you know, it really hit me because we've moved in, in, in planning this church this this uh, this spring. We've moved two or three times, and I looked at all these races I've done, and I could put all my awards and all my medals and things in one little box. And I was like, "Are you serious? <laughs> Thousands of miles, countless hours, and but I have this for it." Yeah, and so. And so for this one, if you go under 22 hours, 
A lot of races, if you go under 24, there's a special buckle or a special, you know, award or something. But if you go under 22 at this race, there's a solid gold one. So I was like, I'm going after that solid gold one. Mm-hmm. And so they have it set right where it's difficult. <laughs> 24 hours, it's very doable at this course for my fitness level. At 22 hours, um, usually there's three to five guys that do that. And... I know that my fitness level is at that level. Um, so that was my goal. I had it all planned out. Um, had everything kind of situated. And it's a three-loop course. Each loop's 50 and then you go back out for another small loop at the end, about seven or eight miles. And so my main goal is under 22. My secondary goal was under 24 just to be able to say I ran 100 miles in one day right um and then the third goal was just you know like any of these races don't die you know just finish right right (laughs) and uh so the first 50k went well I was float I you know I did it in right uh, right around six hours um pretty comfortable pace and um uh, I, f- I came in and I, I, on that first loop, I was taking in more, um, more gels than regular food than I normally would have just cause I wanted quicker, easier, you know, just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Well, then I got in and I tried to eat real food and it wasn't happening. Right. And so then I had to reset my body. And so it took me like an hour and a half of like just not eating any real calories, which is like the worst idea, but I needed, I knew I needed my body to last over a hundred miles to reset for an hour and a half. So I, I kind of get, got rid of the gels and stuff for that period and then reset to what I usually do nutrition wise. And, um, about mile, I, I know like at mile 45, my crew was there and they were like, you got to eat calories. You got to put the calories in and they're kind of you know, getting on my case. And so I took a cup of potatoes, uh, just to appease them. And as soon as I got up in the woods and out of their sight, I threw it on the ground. (laughs) But about mm, an hour after that, about mile 50 some, I, um, I started realizing I still have a shot at this time. I just have to be here at this time, here at this time. So I started counting up all that and, and, uh, just started racing the clock. Well, I got into the 100K at 13 hours, which was an hour slower than I wanted, but I was feeling really good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm totally going to be able to do this. So a major storm came through. Like it, This year was like the worst weather you've ever had. It was like 80 degrees, 100% humidity, and then torrential downpours, wow. thunderstorms. And, uh, and so... Um, but I was in good spirits and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. The storm's supposed to pass in 15 minutes and I'm just going to eat a bunch of food and get my calories back up. So I did that. Um, and I went to the next aid station and I passed like six people and I was floating top five for sure. Wow. And felt really good. And all of a sudden I got a cramp or a calf strain or something and I couldn't run. (laughs) So I got to mile 69-ish, and uh, I all I could do was walk. I was in good spirits. You know, I was laughing, carrying on. My uh, my pacer who was with me is is a, is a friend. Um, 
and so he's from Canada, and, we're, and he came down and was and was running with me, and I was like, well, if I maybe I just need to get to this next next section, just calm down, stretch, roll, I have my roller out at the next aid station. I was like, maybe I just need to roll it out because maybe it's a cramp. And I was pounding pickle juice, electrolyte pills, <laughs> you, you name it. I was doing it, um, and uh, it it just never came back. Another rainstorm came. We got drenched. I got cold. Mm. Um, and I almost quit at like mile 85. But I had 12 hours to go, and all I had to do was 16 miles. And I was like, all right, let's just finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we went. We just kept kept hiking. I, but I just couldn't run. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm two weeks out, and um, well... About, I'm in like 11 days out now, and my legs felt great Tuesday. Like the Tuesday after the race, I felt totally fine. The issue was still my calf, and I still have an issue. I, I haven't been able to run since. I have another race coming up in December, um, but my fitness is there. It's in the bank. I just got to rest and just wait for it to come back. So I did finish. Yeah. About five hours slower than I wanted, because I but it's because I walked. Right. I mean, it, there was one section of the course that usually takes me about an hour, 45 minutes, and it took me four hours. No kidding. Wow. Um, and that, and part of that was it was dark. Part of it was because the mud was so bad, and I, all I could do was walk. I couldn't I couldn't run to, you know. If there had been a bear, I would have been his dessert. <laughs> yeah, and so talk about, you know, Better Stories is really about intentional decisions to make life more purposeful, more meaningful, more full of passion. So you've kind of taken on running as a as a major massive part of your life, part of just rhythm of life, who you are. How has that informed the rest of your life? How has that informed kind of your being, your family, you know, just who you are, how you see the world, any any of those things? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of like cliche sayings like, you know, doing hard things is a good thing, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't really know it off the top of my head, but I feel like there's a lot of good quotes out there about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently they don't stick with me. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, really, so many people in life are running from things. Mm-hmm. And running affords me the opportunity to show people someone worth running to. You know, to be able to build relationships with people and to point them to Christ, uh, I'd run, I would, there's actually a 200 mile race that I'm hoping to do, um, because you can be more dumb than running a hundred miles. <laughs> more broken. I think it's your brain is broken, but I get it. <laughs> so, uh, but, but you, it's, it's amazing the people I've built relationships with so many people have hurts, wounds, pains, struggles, uh, former addictions, and they turn to running as their hope. Uh, being in that community, for me, the bigger purpose is, yeah, you know, in that area. And for me, that's kind of what running has become. That's mm-hmm. my third place to go and to build relationships with people. And I've, I've made relationships with people uh, and from Canada to Pittsburgh um, to to um, gosh down North Carolina, uh, I have friends 
um, all through this um, this avenue. So mm. that's been the blessing for me. That's cool. So what's what's next for you in terms of kind of races, bucket list races, pipe dreams? I'm guessing eastern states and western states, but but what all's what all's on your list? Yeah. Um, so the eastern states, I still would like to do the PA Triple Crown, uh, but this is another kicker. Oh, I didn't tell you this. This is where it got really bad. So, uh, so <laughs> the rain so, and the the calf and dragging your leg like that sounded really bad, but yeah. <laughs> we call that a, a normal day. Uh, <laughs> So, originally I was going to do the 100K at Oil Creek. Well, I, I am, I can't say this because I wasn't in that race, but I'm, I'm very certain I would have taken top three. Mm-hmm. And I maybe could have won the race, which would have been awesome because if you win a race there, you get free lifetime entries to any of the races. Wow. And um, so, yeah. So, that just adds insult to injury. But <laughs> because of when they canceled Eastern States, I can't do the Triple Crown bid next year because the first race of that is already sold out uh, okay they, they do registration like 11 months in advance it's kind of crazy gotcha but it's a huge huge race i mean it's a, a thousand people do the 25k wow and 700 do the 50k it's 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 insane so um my next race is well i'm hoping to hear back that i get into it, it is called uh the hellgate 100k so that's down in virginia yeah and um it is it's gnarly (laughs) it's it starts a midnight start in december (laughs) and uh within the first three miles you cross like a knee deep uh river um (laughs) and so then you have 60 some miles on uh wet feet uh through the dark and um but the reason for that is uh, this will be my third year that I'll have a ticket into the Western States lottery. Um, so each year you get more tickets and a greater chance to get in. And it takes some people six, seven, eight years to get in. And you have to do a race every year or you go back to zero. Hmm. So if I do this race in December, it's actually after the drawing this year. So I'll have a ticket in for 2019 and 2020 before 2018 ends. Okay. So... So those are the big those are the big ones. Um, I would like to do at some point. I have a friend that I run with up here, and uh, he wants to do the Tahoe two hundred. It's a two hundred mile race around Lake Tahoe. Uh huh. You have like four days to do it. Wow. Uh, and so I'd like to do that, um, but that would be very different. Uh, I would take a battery charger and a camera. Yeah. Uh, you know, take pictures and run. It sounds, I know it's going to sound insane, but like take, run 50 to 60 miles a day and uh, take pictures because it's just beautiful out there. Yeah. I'm going to Tahoe next week. It is amazing. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah. So, so Jill, and Jill has um, family that was out there that uh, were like in the hotel business or something, but they just moved. And so we're hoping that whenever we do get to go there, um, we'll have some sort of connection they have <laughs> because that's where Western States also starts. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate it. I end every uh, every podcast. Hey, do you listen to the Ultra Runners podcast, Ultra Trail Runners podcast? Yeah. So I always fire off five questions because I just think it's fun to not tell you what I'm going to ask and try to be as random as possible. 
So, so I'm going to do this, and I want to see your answers, and it's got to be family friendly. So, <laughs> are, are your questions family? Uh, you know, <laughs> what's the what's the hardest thing about living in the snow belt, and the best thing? Oh gosh, the, the hardest is easy. There's no sunshine from like October to April. Are people uh, cranky all the time? Like, are they just grouchy and? Um. Some people, I mean, I take vitamin D every day of the year. Yeah. Uh, and most people do. Um, and you're but, still as pale as I am. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, I think it's the lighting. <laughs> uh, no, I, it's, um, yeah, I think that's probably the hardest is this the sunshine. And like we, we went to a baseball game once. And I was like, hey, guys, let's play a game. Let's count how many people are smiling. <laughs> Because the number is so low, and it was dollar beer night. Like it was the night where everyone should have been, you know, smiling. I don't That's know. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think the the weather is probably the hardest on people. I think the most enjoyable is going to sound weird, but the summers here are actually awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like what's what winter is negative, the summers are like perfect here. Right. So. Right. Um, what's the, in a hundred mile race, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen or experienced for yourself? Oh gosh. Craziest thing in a hundred mile race? Or any race. I mean, I guess you could talk any race. Yeah. Uh, I can, one of the funniest things, uh, was in, uh, two years ago in the Heiner 50k, the 50k course and the 25k course share some of the same miles and at the end they they come back together so like i'm finishing up on the 50k and i run into like the middle of the pack of the 25k and then you're like just maneuvering through all these people but the the 50k trail is above the 25k trail like 10 or 15 feet up a hill and then they join together on on a slant well there was this lady in front of me in the 50k and um, she was running kind of funny and, and I thought, oh no, what, what's going on with her? She, she, she had pulled muscle or something wrong. Well then, um, I re- I realized she had to use the bathroom. <laughs> she jumps off of the trail, but she jumps off of the trail on the side where the 25 K people are literally 10 feet below her <laughs> and then squats and uses the bathroom. So she covers her head so the 50K people can't see her. Well, who cares? We would just see her face. <laughs> yeah. But 25K people, and there was a whole slew of them, like 20, 30 of them, <laughs> run by. And if they would have looked to the right, um, it would have been unfortunate for them. But that was probably the craziest thing. Cause like, it, you know, pick, your, pick your place a little better, right? That's, that's pretty funny. And if, if you're not a runner listening to this, you need to Google runner bathroom stories because it's gruesome and it's awful and can be bad so so you got two boys and you got a daughter now what's the manliest thing you do with your boys and what's the biggest change you've learned about a daughter oh gosh the main thing that's opening a can of worms (laughs) what do we think manly means um I mean, stereotypical manly things. I mean, our boys love, especially my oldest. Um, I mean, you know, wrestling is you know always in and throwing you know, football and all that stuff. Um, but they really love if we watch sports. Like if we sit down, and they'll watch sports 
all day. Like I love college football, and they'll they'll do that all day. So they they love that. Um, and then the biggest change about having a daughter. Um, think or the, or the biggest uh, thing you didn't know that now you know like whatever oh, what? <laughs> oh. Um, diaper changes are definitely different <laughs> um, uh, I don't know I she's my favorite <laughs> easily um, yeah I don't know maybe like how to how to uh, make her presentable because she has like long hair and she came out with all this hair and uh-huh. she has it and um and so yeah like with the boys like throw some clothes on get in the car let's go <laughs> yeah. girl you have to like you have to put some effort into it yeah because the mom feels like it's representing her if you mess that up like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's great so all right, last question. If um, so, when I did my one and only fifty k, I did, I was like you. I didn't know anything about aid stations and how you're supposed to utilize those. And I remember getting to a point where they had these foil wrapped half roasted potatoes, and I was yeah. like, I'm really hungry. I'm gonna grab one of those and see what happens. And it was probably the best food I've ever yeah. tasted in my life. And to this day, I crave. On a long run, I'll crave a roasted potato, and nobody ever shows up with one for me. So, you're 60 miles into a race. What's what's the food that you crave? What's the best food you ever have had or longed for on a race? Well, I will long for things, but that's not the best thing. <laughs> I feel like I always do. I'll go out, I'll go out in a long run, but man, I really want like a frosty, or I re- and then I'll go get like ice cream after. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> But in a race, I, my, my go-tos are, as soon as possible, as soon as they will offer it, is mashed potatoes. Okay. So, yeah, mashed potatoes are a big one. Mashed potatoes, salt, oranges, coffee late in a race. Okay. So I usually, like, stay away from coffee for, like, uh, uh, maybe a month or so before a race so that when I first hit caffeine about mile 60, it's like an extra pep in my step. Yeah, yeah. And what's, what's the best food when the race is over? What's your go-to? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I ran with my friend the other day and we ran in this place in Titusville and in Titusville is a hole in the wall. There's nothing really there, but there's a Chinese restaurant. Mm. And so my buddy, he's like, man, and he, my buddy's super fast. I mean, super fast. And so we ran together and afterwards, like, let's go to the Chinese buffet. And I had no desire to do that, but I wanted to spend time with him. Um, and so I was like, all right, let's go. And he downed like three plates of Chinese. Uh, but I, 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 I ate like white rice and like smelled chicken and broccoli. And that was about all I could do. Um, so yeah, I, I can't eat anything after I run. Okay.